show. We've got an interview this week with Optus CEO Kelly Bayer-Rosmarin talking about Optus's first half results. Uh, pretty encouraging stuff, particularly strong growth in the mobile area. We're also going to hear a very interesting take from the Superloop CEO, Paul Tyler, who used an investor day this week to talk about what he saw as the potential size of what he terms the challenger telco market in Australia. He points out that in the US, the challenger market's about 30% of the whole. In Australia, under 10%. So he's got some thoughts about how telcos can take advantage of that. But first up, Rowan Pearce, the executive editor of Comms Day. Welcome to the show, Rowan. Hey, Graham. Now, the, the, the big news this week at Communications Day was the release of submissions to the triennial regional telecommunications review. Yes, triennial every three years. And by my estimation, there were about 500 submissions to, to the review this year, or, or with a a bone to pick with something or a suggestion or, or whatever. And, and Rowan, um, you, you had the unenviable task of reading a lot of these submissions and, and picking out the interesting bits. So what did you find? Yeah, I, I, what I did find is after three years, there's obviously a lot of like pent up angst since last regional telco review. And some people want to let it all out, which I'm particularly, uh, I guess I had a look earlier in the week at, um, at what Optus and TPG Telecom had to say. And it's, Fair to say that, as you as you kind of expect, they were quite scathing of the state of affairs at the moment, particularly around the universal um, service obligation. I mean, like <laughs> Optus in particular had some amazing um, uh, amazing comments about government uh, policies. It was it was many existing government policies and programs are inefficient, costly, and ineffective. Um, so they're no longer fit for a purpose, and he's a reboot of policy, that kind of thing. So USO was one issue. The other was obviously. Um, how the mobile black spot program has played out in regional areas too, where Telstra has won the lion's share of that kind of funding, which is obviously causing a bit of angst at um, Optus and TPG. So uh, I guess, like, really, um, it feels like almost something's got to give on the USO. I think, um, like, even Telstra seems to be saying it's a very uh, uh, inflexible mechanism at the moment. Um, so there needs to be some kind of change on that front. Obviously, there's a rollout of the universal service guarantee, but there's still that kind of basic structure of the um, subsidising the copper network and the um, a high frequency radio in regional areas. Um, I guess, yeah, and it, it, reading through the submissions too, there was that real kind of a, a, like angst over the at least perceived lack of competition in regional areas and the kind of tension between, I guess, on the one hand, giving people or consumers what they want which is often better Telstra coverage versus kind of like promoting competition in those areas. So one issue that did kind of raise its head again was a kind of domestic mobile roaming once again. Um, I think one little snippet was, uh, I, I, I think one of the submissions noted that the ACCC is actually going to be releasing a report on what um, network investment has actually looked like since their last decision, I think, was it 2017, I want to say, on mobile roaming? Yeah, it was a few years back. Um, so, yeah, so that, that report's coming from the ACCC sometime soon, I believe. Um, but, yes, strong words. I guess, actually, uh, the other thing I looked at, too, was um, the, some of the government submissions. Um, one particular thing that struck me was the New South Wales government, which argued that they, there should be some kind of forum that takes a look at um, regional telco and brings together, essentially, state governments, territory governments, federal uh, and local governments as well, potentially, 
um, to basically actually provide some level of coordination around some of these issues, which I think sounds like a kind of smart idea, particularly when you have this kind of like this complicated interlocking web of programs at different levels of government. Yeah, it's um, a, a good point you make there about the complexity of all the various funding programs for regional telecommunications. Um, earlier this week, the Sydney Morning Herald, Zoe Zamios, uh, had an exclusive about MBN developing a plan for between $600 million and $1 billion of investment in their fixed wireless network. Um, and uh, I, I checked out my sources and found that that was very much on mark and um, was being pushed quite heavily, particularly by the National Party side of the government and uh, is, is um, very, very down the track in terms of being developed. Um, and then at the same time, we also found out that um, a couple of the big over-the-top global tech companies are also in Canberra um, talking to people in the government wanting uh, state investment or, or federal investment in um, regional fibre and, and more infrastructure for regional mobile. So it's definitely all happening on this front. It's, yeah, I mean, I, as, as you kind of noted in your piece this morning, we're heading into the kind of like announceable season. It's like Christmas for announcements. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. A lot, a lot of this has been driven not specifically by the government um, um, having these ideas for things, but by stakeholders in the industry, um, you know, carriers, operators, MBN Co and others, who know that there's an election coming and know that politicians want things to fund and announce and and you know, to get up on, on lecterns and cut ribbons to things and so on. And um, particularly in an environment where you have a, a government that's been there for three terms, they only have a one-seat majority, and they really will do everything they can to enhance their popularity between now and March and May next year. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what kind of shakes out from all this uh, conspiratorial activity going on. <laughs> Well, one thing's for sure, most of it probably won't pass a cost-benefit test. <laughs> that's a, that's a, an analysis for another day. Thank you very much for joining us today, Rowan. Cheers. Well, moving on, I spoke to Optus CEO Kelly Bayer-Rosmarin this week. She was in Singapore, um, one, of, one of the first telco executives in Australia to be able to travel out of the country for months, it seems, um, talking about uh, their first half results, which which were pretty good. Their earnings are up, mobile revenues are up. Um, in fact, overall revenues were only down because obviously the uh, MBN rollout has, has wound down and uh, those success payments are drying up. So uh, let, let's hear from Kelly and, and what she has to say about the results. I'm really pleased that a number of the things that I've been talking to you about, Graham, have really sort of uh, come to the fore and resonated with customers. And that's our relentless focus on customer experience, delivering Australia's fastest 5G and the launch of our new and innovative Optus Living Network features. So really good to see that resonating with customers. And so despite the very challenging conditions, uh, we've had a strong half-year performance and there is some clear momentum in the business. So our EBITDA is up 6.6% to just over a billion. Our EBIT has more than doubled. Our mobile service revenue is up 9.7%. And that's really driven by strong ARPU growth underpinned by the compelling features that are in our plans. Uh, on a non-financial uh, sense, the first half of the year has also been jam-packed with uh, a range of achievements. 
um, revealing the Optus Living Network and additional new features within that Living Network like Call Translate, Optus Pause and Sidekick, uh, the launch of a world-first subscription aggregator, Subhub, continued uh, engagement uh, with our Optus Sport fans across the Euros and a multitude of award wins and accolades for our 5G. So what we're doing is resonating with our customers and we'll continue to focus on customer experience, rolling out more of our fast 5G, launching new and innovative Optus Living Network features and welcoming new partners on the Subhub platform. Now, there's a lot more to do, but I do think our first half performance demonstrates that we're on the right track. And I'm also optimistic about Australia's return to normality, which should be a gradual reinstatement of COVID-affected revenue streams as we get to welcome customers back to our retail stores and hopefully travellers back into Australia. The, the mobile revenue rise, a very impressive 9.7%. And, and you did mention it was about ARPU. But also, you had a nice rise in, in postpaid um, subscriptions as well. So, so can you talk to me about yeah. what, what drove that market share gain? Um, you know, as I say, I think we offer a really fantastic, compelling proposition to our customers. Uh, not only are our plans 20% cheaper than Telstra's, you also get Optus Sport included and our fabulous living network. We've got great choice plans and family plans, and we really are just listening to customers and delivering what they want and a great experience. And then when you call us uh, or need help from our messaging platform, uh, you get an excellent experience there, and our app is just fantastic and getting more and more features and more and more user-friendly every day. So I think overall, uh, plus Australia's fastest 5G, uh, there's a lot to love for customers. Okay, now you you had a, a good result on OPEX as well. Um, you reduced OPEX 6.5% um, in, in a high yeah. inflation, high cost environment. So can you talk me through... What, what happened there and, and how that helped with the earnings result? Yeah, well, I think we've just been very disciplined on our approach to cost, uh, being clear on our priorities, uh, focusing on the things that are dull movers for our customers. Uh, but also part of that cost reduction is uh, about uh, lower equipment sales, uh, and that is uh, a function of some of the lockdown environments and lower um, uh, footfall in our stores and also a function of some of the global chipset shortages, which mean that, for example, we stock out of iPads regularly. How do you see um, those supply chain issues panning out in the current half? Do you see any improvement there? I think they're continuing. I, 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 I mean, we're working very closely with our partners and our suppliers to mitigate that as much as possible, to share with them our demand forecasts, commit to ordering earlier. We're doing absolutely everything we can to work together to mitigate the impact, but I have no insight as to when the situation will improve significantly. Okay, now you, you talked a bit about a return to normality. Um, I, I guess you being in Singapore is a good sign that that's coming. Um, what, what do you see as, uh, I, I guess that phrase, the new normal, how, how do you see that in terms of how it will impact Optus's, Optus's business performance in the, the coming year? Well, um, I think, uh, as I've explained, we're obviously transforming the fundamentals of our business and really focused on customer value. And so on top of that, the resumption of travel and our roaming revenue streams would be terrific. 
the resumption of visitors into Australia, where we win a, a great share of, of prepaid traveller sims, the resumption of immigrants and students coming in, where our value proposition also resonates strongly, those will all be additional positives to throw into the mix. Okay, now on the business side, um, there the seems to be some good results there as well in enterprise. You talked about improved sales volumes. So what's happening in that part of the business? Yeah, so I think um, we've had some good uh, wins and re-signs with our customers. We've grown our um, uh, post-paid mobile subscribers as well. Uh, we've also exhibited enormous cost discipline in that part of the business. And so altogether that's created um, a, a, a nice uplift in the enterprise business as well. The other, the other interesting um, part of the results was you're saying that you've reached a record net promoter score. Um, so, what do you, what do you attribute that to? Um, I, I think it's uh, a combination of having highly engaged employees, um, the new team of experts model that we've been rolling out, which means that we can service our customer needs better. The continued investment in having the highest rated app so our customers can do most of what they want on a self-service basis um, and the great features that we keep investing in that are really adding value to our customers in the moments that matter. So we think all of that is coming together to help us see um, continued uplift in our NPS. Okay, and you talked a bit there about 5G. Um, Optus has been very active in promoting its fixed wireless product for residentials. Yeah. Um, how is that tracking, and are you happy with its progress? Yeah, it's been tracking well. It's a very high MPS product. Our customers really enjoy it. The speeds we achieve are, are really great. Um, and um, so it continues to be a, a popular product and we're going to, um, as we roll out the network, it will be available to more and more households across Australia. Now, finally, I wanted to share an excerpt of a really interesting presentation that Paul Tyler, the CEO of Superloop, gave at a shareholder investor day this week. It's interesting because it's very philosophical looking at the role that Challenger Telcos play in Australia and their market share vis-a-vis -vis the US, which arguably is a more advanced, developed version of the way we do things here. And you made some interesting observations about how Challengers have done very well in the US compared to here, but there's no reason why they can't do better here. So let's hear it in his own words, an observation about why Superloop um, could successfully position itself as a wholesaler of choice for all the challenger telcos to the main incumbents. The internet market in Australia is unnaturally structured. All the enablers are there to have a natural level of competition, but that hasn't happened as yet. In uh, 2018, the the Number of so the market share that was sitting with the challenges, the challenges to the four incumbent telcos was four percent. Right now it's eight percent. What do I mean by challenger? I mean challenges who are the new starters, the new RSPs, the smaller brands, the the more nimble organisations that are attacking the traditional. But not just traditional telcos. 
new brands, white labels. Um, we see white labels coming into mobile, but not so much into, into fixed, but that's starting. So we see over, since 2018, the market share assigned to the challenges to have doubled from four to eight percent. But our uh, belief is that that's still way short of the natural state. It's way short of where we will be in, in a couple of years' time. The basis for that supposition really is, well, let's look at some comparators. Take the US market. In the US market, nearly 40% of the retail internet market is provided through what I would deem challenges. Bring it back home. What are some comparative markets in Australia? Energy, an obvious one. The retail energy market is more than a quarter served by challenger brands. The banking market, again, more than a quarter served by challenger brands. We believe that's going to happen in the internet market, the fixed internet market in Australia as well. Substantial uh, growth in the challenger segment. To the point that it's our belief that, that, that the natural level of, of uh, challenger participation in this market will be in the order of 30%. Because the barriers to entry have been removed, the product is actually better. The service, the price, all the elements of supply actually err in the favour of the challenges now, which we'll unpick during the presentation. And it's getting faster. Ironically, the pandemic, COVID has reinforced the need for fixed internet. It's reinforced the need for the, the uh, uh, great supply of great internet, not just in, in corporate premises, but the work from home onset, the study from home uh, onset are all trends that have, what we, we say here, brought the future forward. It's accelerated the need for a great internet proposition which is not necessarily being provided by traditional suppliers. The benefits of moving to one of these more nimble challenges are so clear. It's a better proposition. It's faster, it's cheaper, the experience is far better. Uh, the customer journey is simply a much more pleasant experience, which we'll, we'll also discuss during the, uh, the day. Largely on the basis of the NBN, the barriers to switch have been removed. It's no longer an exercise of days or weeks and, and hours of uh, arguing with uh, offshore call centres and all sorts of challenges. Those barriers have, have been uh, reduced, we say here, but frankly, removed. And perhaps one of the more uh, fundamental uh, inputs here is that the challenges can now present these propositions without needing to rely on the incumbents. We can bypass the incumbents in the supply, and that means the innovation that we can bring, the speed that we can bring, is no longer inhibited. So what's our purpose as Superloop? And we debated this a lot between the executive, between the board, and across our organisation. And the purpose we've, we've landed on, which is now fundamental to our company going forward, is that we want to enable better internet through competition. We want to lead the challenger brands to a place of that natural 30% market share. I don't mean that we want to have a retail market share of 30%. That's unrealistic. But we want to support the challenger market to get to that point, whether it's through 
uh, you know, other challenges doing well, whether it's through our own retail brands, whether it's through our wholesale supply providing components or white label offerings into other challenges as well. We think that 30% is a realistic aspiration for the challenger segment, and we want to be a fundamental part of that growth from 8% to 30%. Very, very interesting words there from Paul Tyler at Superloop. And that's it for Conversate Live this week. Hope you enjoyed the show. See you next time. 